Well, what a glorious day it's been uh, so far, and I'm going to try not to wreck it. But you know, the risk of calling a pastor from off the island is sometimes we don't understand culture. So at the risk of making some people unhappy, uh, I feel like we need to celebrate the fact that this building did not just come by the work of God alone. It came by God's work through people. Now, I know we Singaporeans, we, we don't like attention, right? So bear with me a little bit. I, I know we get sick, don't want to trouble anybody. Die also, don't want to trouble anybody. But, but there are some people that God has used to get us this far. And I'd like to do something, just ask your permission. Well, I'm not asking, I'm just going to do it. If <laughs> we have some people, and I know some of them serve with our CC congregation, but I'd like to ask you to stand just for a moment. Um, Bay Suhi, uh, father of Bay, grandfather of babies, are you in the building? If you would stand, I, I would like to ask Boon Han Lin, brother, where are you? Uh, Don't want to trouble. Oh, there, 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 there he is. Uh, Helen Chi, are you here? Uh, okay, we're just going to talk about you, even if you may not be here. Or, or maybe you're in overflow. I can't see past the tinted windows. Uh, Jason, I believe Jason Chua is in the Chinese section. Uh, Peng Kiat probably is. Hugh Kim, are you here? Brother, stand up. Uh, thank you, brother. Uh, Gideon Wee is in our, our Chinese section. Uh, Ronnie Tan, where are you? I, I accuse Ronnie of actually ha- living here. Now, stay standing just for a moment. Oh, Hugh Kim has already sat down. Um, uh, I want to add to that, if you are on the, the, what, the, what is that, the, I want to call it the fundraising team, that's not right. <laughs> we call you the magicians, those who have led in our stewardship for this building. If you are on that team, can you stand? Yes, don't be shy, just stand, go ahead and stand up, thank you so much. If, if you were here moving furniture... If, if you were here using a screwdriver for the first time to put together tables, will you stand? Kokpui, if you're in the building, will you stand? Our staff who were here many late nights, and um, those of you who gave, will you stand? <laughs> Pastors who walked into an office already fully equipped and did nothing at all, will you stand? Let's give God the glory. Bless you, brothers and sisters. Thank you. You can be seated. You you know what I find quite extraordinary about this rebuilding team is that I might be giving away a secret, but some of these people voted not to rebuild. And yet when God's people decided we will rebuild, they put their shoulders under it. That is a sign of God at work in our midst, and that is just an extraordinary blessing to me. Um, By the way, September 17, 17 September, you want to put that in your calendar. That is going to be our joint service. I'm calling it a Thanksgiving service, a building dedication. Dr. P is going to be preaching from his wheelchair. Uh, uh, Pastor Arnold is coming back from Texas to celebrate us. Put that in your 
calendar. We are going to celebrate God's goodness in this place on that day. Now, I don't know if we have my screen up here yet. Oh, the, isn't it amazing how good the sound is suddenly? Our, our sound crew is amazingly awesome suddenly. And also, I can see people even in the very back row. What, what a blessing this is. Um, of course, you know, now that we're here, and I've already waded into the sea of awkward, here's a question I think we, we ought to consider. You know, now what? I mean, now, now that we're here and we can no longer say, well, once we have our own building, um, now that we're actually here, we can't say, well, it was an unfortunate time. By the way, YA, now is the time for you to text your friends and say you missed your alarm. Get up. You know, what do we do now? We, we have been living as a displaced people for two years. Now that we have all that we dream for, what, what now? What, what has God calling us to be and to do now that we find ourselves in this new place? I think this is exactly the same kind of question the church at Antioch was asking. As you know, the sermon title is Sending God's Best. And here we find a church who were displaced. Not because they chose to move out of a building and rebuild, but because not of their own choice, they were the focus. They were the targets of intense Jewish persecution. So they scattered, remember, all outside of Jerusalem except the main apostles stayed in Jerusalem. Everyone else scattered. And a small group, scholars say about 400 or so, that, that means less than we now have in our building at this point, found their way to Antioch. And as we come to chapter 13, they are in the midst of asking that critical question. What now? We have been displaced. Now that we found a new home here in Antioch, what do we do now? Here's what I want us to notice first. The the context is critical. Not only were they displaced people, but they found themselves into this relatively new city called Antioch. Antioch became the new capital of the Roman province Syria. It was built right on a river. It had tremendous access to the ocean that was just 16 miles or about 25 kilometers away. And the Romans built a world-class seaport called Seleucia right at that point. And so at Antioch, all of the markets came through. And primarily in Antioch, the market was for two things, military and slaves. I'm not sure if you realize this, but in the first century, the Roman Empire, about 10% of the population was slaves. Italy The population of Italy, about 40% of the entire population of Italy were slaves. Brought through the port of Seleucia. Conquered nations. This is how global economies thrive. By getting someone else to do the work. Not saying anything. Just that. Rome thrived on conquering nations and causing slaves to work their harvest fields, build their highways, their 
buildings, their seaports, and their cities. And one of those cities was Antioch. And uh, here's how we find this church in verse 1. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. The, 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 what we begin to find out is almost immediately as they gathered, they organized themselves. But they didn't organize themselves around policy or, or around programs or even in alignment with a denominational affiliation. They organized themselves around the gifts. Remember Pastor Eugene preaching last week? Around the gifts that the Holy Spirit gave them. And the two primary giftings were the giftings that gathered people around His Word. And they're mentioned. Prophets and teachers. And we need to understand the difference between prophets and teachers and the difference between prophets then and our view of prophets now. So, so first of all, prophets was a gifting that enabled a man and sometimes a woman to say, this is the word of the Lord. So prophets were not foretellers. They weren't looking at the stars and aligning the planets and predicting, you know, September 23rd is going to be the last day on earth. Those people were called seers or magi and often false prophets. The prophet that was gifted of God was a man or woman who was able to say, this is the word of God. And he or she spoke it with such authority there was no doubt. They spoke as if Christ himself was speaking. Teachers, on the other hand, opened up the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures and began to connect a gospel dot between the Old Testament and the story of Jesus. They found in the, in the Jewish Torah the story of a great liberator, one great gospel story. And they opened up the Scriptures in light of who Jesus was. So as they taught that one big story, the main protagonist was a holy, awesome creator God. The main theme was worldwide redemption. And the last chapter was a death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ with the hope of a victorious return. That was what a teacher did. Now what we can't see in our Bibles is this little Greek connecting word that is actually untranslatable. In English, we, we just don't have any way of translating it. But in the Greek, it actually identifies the men who were prophets and the men who were teachers. So the men mentioned first, there was Barnabas, Simon. By the way, that's Simon Black was his name. Barnabas, we know, from Cyprus, the great encourager. Simeon, or Simon the Black, most scholars agree, is the very same who was called upon to bear the cross of Jesus when its weight brought him to the ground. His sons are mentioned as leaders in the church in Rome. That was Simon. They're not politically correct black. Simon the Black guy. Then there's Lucius of Cyrene 
who is consistently mentioned in partnership with Dr. Luke, who is writing this book. Those three men, by that untranslatable connecting Greek word, were identified as the prophets. Menaean, who's not mentioned anywhere again, we know is a friend or actually in the original language could have been a stepbrother or adopted brother of Herod the Tetrarch. Not the Herod we talked about. This is not Herod the Grippa. This is Herod Antipas, the Herod who knew Jesus, the Herod who took the head of John the baptizer. It was this Herod, his friend Menaean, became a believer. That tells us that the gospel was already not staying in the lower classes. It was already finding its ways into the temples and into the palaces. And then there was that man called Saul. Menaean and Saul were called teachers. Do you realize that's why the church at Corinth didn't love Saul or Paul? He wasn't a preacher. This wasn't exciting. He, he just bored people, literally to death sometimes. Right? So he was just opening up and, and teaching. But a fundamental part of how the early church immediately began to organize themselves around the gifts. So then we come to the crossroad. Now, now a crossroad uh, sometimes creates a crisis, right? Because it means suddenly, at that moment, at the crossroad, we've got to make a choice. And there's a kind of a viral video asking Malaysians, uh, what is the most difficult choice they have to make every day? And, of course, many of them uh, said, oh, uh, how, to, how to travel and avoid the jam. And many of them said, what to eat, uh, very difficult to decide. But, but several of them say, oh, the most difficult choice is how, oh, how to choose, man. Even choosing difficult. So, so this, a crossroad, is when your GPS says to you, slight left. And you go, slight left? There's more than one left. Which left? Right? And, and it creates a crisis of belief sometimes. When, that's when you pick up your GPS and blame it. This thing's not working. <laughs> sometimes when you come to a crossroad, there, there's a crisis of faith. And yet we find this people at this moment feeling a crisis of belief at a crossroad, but verse 2 brings us to the turning point. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, one prophet, one teacher, for the work to which I have called them. You know, this is a problem with the Bible. Every once in a while you're reading it and you realize that's not really a Baptist thing. I mean, we don't mind worshiping as long as you're not too happy. But um, fasting, that's not what we do. <laughs> right? We're, we're, we're about meeting and eating. So very awkward for us to come to this passage Right after Pastor Eugenius says, so after the service, we're going to have a coffee fellowship, snack time, join us. That is absolutely, authoritatively Baptist. But at GBC Antioch, when they came to a defining moment, when they began to ask one another, okay, what now? They were worshiping 
and, and they were fasting. Now, let, let me say, I know this is almost like cultural heresy because this, this was my Facebook profile <laughs> for, for several days. And I'm, I'm praying about leading the campaign to bring the Nasi Lamat burger back to McDonald's. And, and several of my Canadian friends were liking it. They, they don't even know what this is. They're liking it. And then they say, wait, wait, wait. Is that egg on that? <laughs> egg is not the magic. I told them egg is not the magic. So I, I know that I'm a bit of a hypocrite here. But we, we need to ask ourselves, what was going on in that church? That they took that approach. Worshipping the Lord and fasting. Now, before we get to this, and by the way, this is not the projectionist team. This is me going too fast. Let's just think about what happened at that moment when they were worshiping and fasting together. God spoke and said, send out 40% of your leadership. I mean, what church does that? I mean, I've been brought here in part to bring in more leadership. What church sends away leadership? And, and not just leadership, they were sending their best. You know, Manan, we never hear from again. And, and Barnabas, I mean, this was a culture that was not great at encouragement, but Barnabas, everyone loved to be in the same room because he always found something encouraging to say. He was the mentor in the church. He was the one that raised up Saul. He was now raising up his nephew, John Mark, who would eventually go with them on this first sending trip. You don't want to send your encourager away. Then it'll be just us. And, and then along with the encourager, you're going to send out a national scholar? Right, because the rest of the leaders, they sign their name with an X. They're, they're not even readers. Right? They, they, they weren't sending out the people who couldn't make it. They were, they were sending out their best. You would think that that would produce a crisis unless they heard clearly from God. So... so this is the amazing thing, because sometimes we, we think about praying. We remember Jesus said, hey, when, when you pray and fast, don't tell anybody. There is times for me to fast and pray when I'm not showing off about it. But this is a time when God's people gathered together to hear from God. So this was something that brought them Together, This is not all there is, but we need to hear this because so much of our faith has been impacted by a Western autonomous, I am so independent and free to do whatever I want to. I don't have to go to church to be a believer. But listen, God addresses and speaks to his people in community. He doesn't ask us to be spiritual orphans. He invites us into community and he speaks to us in 
community. Did you hear the nuance of what Pastor Eugene read us in the call to worship? 1 Peter 2.9. You are a chosen race. He doesn't say, you're a chosen guy. You're chosen, buddy. He's speaking to community. You're a chosen guy. He doesn't say, you're a royal priest. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. Not a holy citizen. You're a holy nation. You're a people, not a person. You are a people for God's own possession. He calls us into community. And so God's people at GBC Antioch, just as God's people at GBC Singapore, gather together because he speaks to us in community. But, but then there's this, you know, fasting together brings clarity. It raises the volume on the whisper of God. Because when I am fasting, I am saying to him, God, I hunger for you more than I hunger for food. That's saying something. I long to hear you speak That's saying something because my stomach speaks often. Every time I go in the office, the staff hears me complaining about some new powder that Sherry is forcing me to drink. Sorry, sweetheart. I made this promise. I'm not going to mention Sherry. First day back, boom, it just came out. You know, my stomach's always complaining. You see, when we're fasting, we are declaring to God, we long for His bread of life more than nasi lemak, and more, I can't believe I'm saying this, than roti prata. We long to hear from Him. And this is what the church did in times of indecision. Now that they were there in Antioch, now that we are here in our Antioch, what do we do? We gather together. We long to hear from him. And here's the consequences we see. Then after fasting and praying, they laid hands on them and sent them out. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. That means 25 kilometers down to the seaport. And from there, they sailed to Cyprus, which was Barnabas' hometown. Now, Let's notice a few things. First, Saul and Barnabas were not leaving GBC Antioch. They were being sent. Now, in 35 years of ministry, I've done lots of research, and you can do it too. Just Google reasons why people leave a church. You will find legions of reasons. Pastor is boring, not getting fed, too much drama at church, hypocrites at church. You can find all kinds of reasons. But, but I found this fascinating study. The top five surprising reasons people are leaving church. And, and you can Google this. Carrie Newell-Wolf is a, an amazing pastor, founding pastor of the Connection Community Church just outside of Toronto. It's a multi-campus church. Um, Every campus, um, large, young people, 
and he has studied his own ministry and came up with the top five surprising reasons why people leave their church. Number five, you've announced an exciting new initiative. We're going to rebuild our building. <laughs> Did I just say that? <laughs> I mean, that surprised me. You know, because actually people are already used to what they're already used to. And new stuff is not always awesome to people because we know the way, we know how to park, um, how to change everything. Well, that's, that's not the only thing. Number four, you've stopped some old programs. Because, Pastor, you don't realize, back in 1960, we used to do whatever, and it was very successful. Why we don't do it? It's a good question. If something was very successful, why don't we do it? And sometimes people are so frustrated because, listen, I, I've been around a bit, and there's lots of pastors, and every pastor has vision. There's lots of vision, but, but little godly vision. You know, sometimes it's just I had an idea in my office. Let's try it. Some people get, get tired of constantly things that they used to enjoy that brought their friends to church. Why, why aren't we doing that anymore? Three, you've added new staff. Now, I'm going to lay this on Pastor Eugene. <laughs> but the old staff, we were very comfortable with him. So, so actually, it's all um, Pastor Eugene's fault. Number two, oh. <laughs> you, you, you've hired a new senior pastor. We like the other guy. Um. You know, I can't get used to his accent. Or is he patronizing us because every time he speaks, it sounds like a bit manglish. We don't like that stuff. You know, there, there's all reasons I'm not making. It's not about me, but, you know, it's just out there. You, you, some people are just comfortable with what they're comfortable with. And the number one reason why, why people leave church, surprising reason, <laughs> You should check me on this. You've moved into a new building. Because uh, 3.30, very nice, ma. In fact, this sermon would have been six hours better if we were meeting at 3.30. I ran out of time. <laughs> uh, we, we would have been fresher if, if we were meeting in the same place. And, and by the way, some people just like the nomadic lifestyle. Don't, don't like to stay too long. So what, what, are you saying we're going to be here every Sunday? This, this will be like a new toy. It's really fantastic first Sunday. Then after a while, it, it's okay. Huh? <laughs> but even as we realize all this, when we gather, we do so at his invitation. We, we, we realize we have been sent and he, this God, is continuing to send. The second thing we can see is Saul and Barnabas, not only were they not just leaving, um, it wasn't really the church at Antioch that was sending. L look at it again. And so sent by the Holy Spirit. It, it was... God's sending. And, and when we made the decision to come here and had to address Emmanuel Baptist Church in Vancouver and say, we were leaving, we didn't say, okay, we're, we're leaving because, you know, don't like my hometown. 
We simply were saying God is sending us as a part of your gift to the nations. He is blessing you with participating in partnership with an almighty God by sending out some of you to Singapore. They were sent by the Holy Spirit. And it's really important that we understand that this point. Because our God is ascending God. In spite of the fact that every pastor on Monday morning in Singapore is going to be talking about how can we get more people to come next Sunday. God has never been about gathering more people. He is ascending God, has always been ascending God, and He's in the business of sending His people. Do you know in the Gospel of John, over 40 times, four zero times, Jesus mentions Himself as one who has been sent. In the beginning of the gospel, he says the word, you know, I became flesh and I was sent into the neighborhood. And then in John chapter 15, verse 26, Jesus promises to send the Holy Spirit. And then the gospel of John closes with Jesus saying, just as I have been sent, so send I you. So when we come GBC, we come like the prophet Isaiah. We come into the Lord's temple. We stand in the full glory of our personal competence. This is humility. And then we see God. We have an encounter with the most high, almighty, the holiest God. And we are suddenly scandalized by our own sin. We are moved with Wonder by the mercy of His grace. And we hear echoing in every part of our cavernous soul. Who shall we send? And who will go for us? And as we respond to the God who speaks to us in community. We say with the prophet. Here am I. Send me. So. When they arrived at Salamis, this is on the island of Cyprus, they proclaimed the word of God, the gospel, in the synagogues of the Jews. And when they had John to assist them, they continued and went through the whole island as far as Paphos. They came upon a certain seer, magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He named himself the son of Jesus. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from faith. Now, this is what we're worried about, right? I, I think I have been where you are. As soon as the pastor said, we're going to respond, here my send me. I felt a little tightness in my chest, a little cramping in my stomach. We have some worry. We don't want opposition. We know, we know there's opposition in our world. And so we have to ask the question, why, why did Elymas oppose them? It, it couldn't have been because he was a racist, because he himself was a Jew. 
In fact, why would anybody oppose believers? Friend, you, you and I will be opposed. It is the promise of Christ because he is sending us to plant in another man's garden. You see, Elymas was you know, cultivating this garden in the court of the proconsul. He, he was growing his own thought there. Thought that was in opposition to the gospel. You know, this is why in my hometown, bamboo has become the greatest source of argument among neighbors in my hometown. Do you know that bamboo is the fastest growing plant in the world? Yes, it grows 91 centimeters a day. A day. Um, And by the way, that means it travels 0.00003 kilometers per hour. No other plant am I measuring speed except bamboo. And, and, And the fact is, it's not that neighbors don't want you planting in their garden. It's they don't want you planting in your garden. Because bamboo knows no walls. It grows underground and through fences. If your neighbor plants bamboo, sooner or later you will have bamboo. It's not that your neighbor doesn't like you. The neighbor doesn't like bamboo. Right? So stop making this so personal. It's not about us. It's not Paul and Barnabas that Elymas opposed. It was the seed of the gospel. Because it travels like bamboo. That's why we have good neighbors, nice neighbors, good people, calling the office saying, hey, why cross have to be so bright, huh? Cannot sleep. And are, are you people going to cause jam on Sunday? I don't like jams on Sunday when I'm sleeping. Right? So it's not you, Grace. People are not opposing us. They've already got a garden full of stuff. And when we go, we go in the power of the gospel. He doesn't ask us to be successful. He's just saying, throw out some seed. You, you know the por- parable of the four fields. Yeah, the ground is rocky. There, there's all thorns in that ground. The, the other ground's got birds. At no time do you ever see the sower say, oh, I'm not going to throw any seed here. got birds. They'll pick it all up. Or, or I'm not going to waste any seed on this rocky ground. Those rocks won't produce. No, there's four different fields, but one behavior. I'm, I'm just going to throw out the bamboo. Just, just going to throw it out because that is what God has called us to do. That's why he speaks. Not, not so that we could grow as a church. Not so that we could tell our pastor friends, hey, we're already in two services. It's for the sake of the glory of bamboo. The gospel. Verse 12. Then the proconsul believed. When he saw what had occurred. What occurred? 
verses 9 through, through 11, Paul spoke full of the Holy Spirit. He called Elemas what he was. Everybody's got a father. He said, Elemas, everybody's got a father. Your father's not God. You're a son of the devil. You're going to be blind. Proconsul saw, but he believed. So, listen, he saw what had happened, but he was astonished by what? The teaching of the Lord. It, it wasn't the testimony of what happened. It was the power of the gospel. That, that is why the, the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because we're going to do signs and wonders. Stick with me here. That's not what he said, right? He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For the gospel, the word of God, is the power of salvation. The proconsul saw for he was astonished. Saw, believed, astonished by the teaching of the word of God. I, I don't know where your garden is. But this I know, God did not intend for all the bamboo to be planted in this auditorium. That's not why he gathers us here. If you want to see our garden, go on the fifth floor. You can see a panoramic view of the garden that's desperate for bamboo. Every time we leave the gates of this building, we go into our mission field. We could reach the world from this island. Such is the world of missions changing. Sherry and I, um, our daughter-in-law has a sister who, along with her husband, was sitting in a church service in North Carolina. They were comfortable. He had a great business. uh, And then the church began to pray. In fact, the pastor said, we're going to ask you, let's not eat for two days before we come to this service. They prayed, they fasted, they came worshiping God, and then on that Sunday, this couple heard, I'm sending you out. I want to play you this video clip of their garden. God's already promised his kingdom is coming. He's going to establish his reign on this earth. But we have to choose to do exactly what he's asking us to do to make a difference for his kingdom through his power. My hope is that we're going to see God's kingdom built and established in Nepal. Most of the highest mountains in the world is where the Tibetan people are. A little over 20 ethnic Tibetan groups throughout Nepal. I just kept thinking, somebody needs to go to these people. God was saying, yes, somebody does need to go. That person is you. Having kids is such an extra blessing. God uses them in so many incredible ways. Some of our areas takes over two weeks of travel. To be Tibetan is to be Tibetan Buddhist. Underneath there, there's a lot of emptiness. There's just so much suffering in this life. And the only way not to suffer is to not exist. There's no security, no way to be sure what's going to happen. Four months after we came, the house started shaking. We were coming off the ground, up and down. We went outside, and at that point, it became real what had happened. 
At the time of the earthquake, one village had been completely covered. A glacier broke, caused this huge landslide. Covered it in 100 feet of rubble. Almost every single person from this people group was dead. This was one of our people that we were focused on. And I was reminded at that point of God's promise that someone from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation will be at the foot of Jesus. We have a team from our home church joining us on this journey. We'll be trekking for three days, demonstrate our love and care we have for the people of this valley. Everything was wrecked, everything was destroyed, everything was ruined. I had nothing in one moment. Boom! Everything was changed. But God is using that earthquake. God restores people. God makes things new. To start fresh spiritually with a relationship with Christ. People that never heard is going to come to know Him. We have an opportunity to share in a way that we never could have shared. We have that hope to give people. So don't waste those opportunities. Use it for what God has for us to do. This is not a promo for the International Mission Board. They are not asking for our support. They are asking us to ask this question. Is it right that an entire people group lost their lives before the gospel got there? This couple lives in Nepal, and it still takes them three days to get to the gardens where they want to sow gospel bamboo. It would take us three minutes, because there are neighbors of yours that died this week. There's a neighbor of ours that died this week. God calls us not so that we can celebrate our salvation, but so that we could be reminded that the gospel, the treasure of God's bamboo, came to us on its way to somebody else. My prayer for us as we celebrate God's goodness in this building is that we would not be satisfied with hearing the word without doing the word. That we would cultivate every garden. That we would throw seed. That we would remind ourselves every time we leave this compound, we are entering God's mission field. There are missionaries among us right now who have left the comfort of Singapore and are serving in difficult places. Are we asking ourselves, how can we come alongside them? Paying my mission's debt is not about putting offering money in the bag. It's about digging up the talent that was given to me burying it in somebody else's garden so it would grow and fruit out and flourish salvation. That is the power of the gospel. I want to invite you to bow with me for just a moment. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I, I hope you do not feel conviction that comes from a pastor. 
I hope you do not even feel anxiety because you know something? God is not the boss you serve at work. The boss you serve at work expects you to come with a resume full of talents and experience that will advance the kingdom of his corporation. But yours is a boss who spoke creation into being. He does not give us an assignment without equipping us for it. The power is not in your delivery. It's not in your personal skills. It's not in your background, in your competence, in your education level. The power is in the gospel. Do you know the gospel? That Christ came bore the wrath, have you ever been scandalized by your own sin? Have you ever been overwhelmed by the mercy of His grace? Then just as the Father sent me, so send I you. Share the joy of good news for His glory. Father God, as we prepare to go out of this place, I pray that you would fill your people with wonder, that you would desire to call us into community, that you would equip us with everything we need to do good, good works and godliness, everything. We don't need a better personality. We don't need better skills or more training. We just need hearts who would say with Isaiah, here we are. Send us. Be strong in your people, I pray. Allow us to know the joy of being in partnership with the Most High God. Do it for your pleasure, for the sake of your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.